Welcome to Discover. We're glad you joined us today on our podcast. Be sure to check us out online at discovercc.org. Today we continue in a series called God is For You. It's eight ways that Jesus shows that he is for people. Here's our lead minister, Steve Murphy. And we are in a series called God is For You. And I want us all to say that together. We don't do this normally. To be really honest, when someone says, would you all say this? If I'm out there, I'm like usually like, no, I actually will not do that. So I understand if you're like me, you're just kind of a rebellious spirit. But I would like for us to all say God is for you together on like the count of three. So which is actually on four. You ever notice that? One, two, three. It's actually on four. But anyway, okay. One, two, three. God is for you. That's the message we want to be sinking into our hearts. And also the message that we want to be taking to people who need to hear it so desperately. Today we're going to be in John chapter 8, and we encourage you to have your Bibles with you. While you're getting there, <clears throat> I want to tell you real quick, um, it wasn't too long ago that I uh, brought chili for lunch, put it in the microwave, heated it up, I got it out, and I went, this is spaghetti sauce with meat in it. Now, I don't know if you've ever had spaghetti sauce with meat as like a bowl of spaghetti sauce with meat. It's not exactly what I was expecting, but if you put hot sauce in it, I can eat almost anything. So it was pretty good. What's happening today in this story is the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these people have something that they're bringing and they're going to serve Jesus. And they're expecting one thing. But what they get is something completely different. It's something so beyond what any human could do. It lets us know, wow, this is God. This is God. For us, it's, it's a huge example of the way that we need to live as people, as a church, as followers of Jesus. So we're going to dig right into it. Um, it's a powerful story. It's pretty brief. Um, and we find it in John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Let's pray. God, we ask that um, your message would come into us today, that, that your word would be what we need to hear and who we need to become. 
speak, God. Um, we want to be listening. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So you may have noticed, like in your Bible, it may say something like, the earliest manuscripts don't have this particular story here, or it's located somewhere else in John, or some, in some places it's even found in Luke. But what scholars usually agree on is that this story probably happened. This story is so much like Jesus. It's a great example of his heart. And so they believe it's probably a true story about Jesus and not something that somebody made up. And it's not something that they just, you know, created. This is a a story. This is a situation that happened. and, And it was probably just inserted a little bit later into the text in the manuscript. But one thing we need to be aware of is that this is God's heart. This is God's heart. You see, this text could stand alone but it doesn't. This is not the only place where we see God's heart. And we're going to unpack that here in just a minute. Before we get into kind of the main point, I I want to just touch on a few kind of um, interesting details. And any of these um, you could, could dig into as well. First of all, there's a woman caught in adultery. And uh, that means that at least one of these people was married, but doesn't it make you wonder if there were, two people involved. Why is there only one person? Where's the guy? Right? What is going on? Well, I think we need to understand the people that brought this woman to Jesus were not at all interested in justice. That wasn't their point. They were interested in destroying Jesus. And if a woman got destroyed in the process, that's no big deal. They didn't really care. Second, they said, Uh, Moses said that we're supposed to stone her. Well, that's not actually what the law says. But Jesus doesn't get into the nitty-gritty details of, you know, figuring out the the text originally. What he does is he uses the, the very weapons that they have brought to turn against them and to, to see that their hearts really are made of stone and that they are very judgmental. The third thing, Uh, This is interesting. What in the world was Jesus writing, right? What is he writing on the ground? There's a lot of speculation about that. We really don't know. What we do know is that he was actually writing something. Uh, The Greek word there means to, to write down. It doesn't mean to like draw. So he wasn't just doodling or scribbling. He was actually writing something down. What was he writing? Again, speculation. Some people say maybe Jesus was writing down the names of the people who are standing getting ready to throw stones. That would be a little convicting, right? Or others say, maybe Jesus was writing down specific sins that the people holding the stones had committed in their own lives. These weren't public like this woman, you know, in her sin, but they were still very real. Maybe it was that. I wonder if maybe Jesus like connected the two, like he would put, the person's name, and then a sin right next to it. What if he did that? What if he did something else? We don't know what Jesus wrote. We do know that it was significant. But the Holy Spirit and John, they they don't tell us exactly what Jesus wrote down. Now, in my brain, this sort of reminds me of the end of Castaway, the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. 
So Tom Hanks delivers the FedEx box, right? Some people say, what's in the box? It's really important. And I was like, it doesn't matter. The, what's in the box is not the point. The point is whatever that box meant to Tom Hanks, to that character was really significant. There's a, there's a part of that that just kept him going. It kept him motivated. It was something that was in his heart. So Jesus, though, Jesus writes something down. And, and it doesn't matter what he writes down. What matters is that it was significant. Well, fourth kind of side detail here. As, as it says in verse 6, they were trying to trap Jesus. This was 100% set up, again, for his destruction. And it's interesting. No matter how he responds, they think they've got him. But you know what's amazing? You can't trap Jesus. <laughs> you can't trap Jesus. Hint, he's Jesus. Okay? And you're not. So don't try to trap Jesus. If that's what your plan was today, don't try that. Okay? Well, there are some other things that are important that are going on here. But I want us to move kind of into what, what I want us to unpack. And as we do this, I would ask that you just hang on to the very end of this. The tendency we may have is to hear something and just latch onto that. Don't do that. Stay through the whole message on what Jesus is saying. And I think if, if you feel like Jesus is being too generous here, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not like me, but I suspect maybe you are. I have a tendency to just really want God's grace for me, but God's judgment for other people. Anybody ever live there? Well, as always, when we unpack the Word of God, our prayer is that God would speak to us. What do you have in this message for me, God? This is not for my spouse. This is not for my friend. This is not for my child. It's not for my parent. It's not for anybody else. What do you have for me in this, in this situation? So, in a very real way, I think that this story, these short number of verses, really embody what God wants us to live out as followers of Jesus. What his message is to the world. What he wants us as Discover Christian Church to be. Not just to say. And verse 11 is really a good summary of it. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. So Jesus lays down two really important principles that are central to who we are as a church, as followers of Jesus. These are two principles that the world desperately, desperately needs to see and experience and know. So here's the first one. We're going to call it no stones. No stones. Disciples of Jesus don't throw stones. If you're a true follower of Jesus, you do not throw stones at people. Now, unfortunately, as you know, it is so common in our world to throw stones today. And, and again, we talk about this a lot, but I mean, social media, even more traditional media, it's just full of accusation and hyperbole and stories of, of just, you know, they're, they're trying to trap people. They're trying to pass judgment. Um, there's rudeness. It's just a mess. 
And to be honest, I used to spend a lot of time there and I've found so much more peace in my life as I've spent less time there and more time in the word and more time with other believers. So if you're feeling like, ah, the world's so bad, just, you know, pull away a little bit from that stuff. I'm serious. Just pull away and get into the word, get into to relationships with people that are going to be more positive and more beneficial. I'm not saying we don't need to know what's going on, but we don't need to dwell in it, you know? Anyway, there's so much stone throwing that's going on in our world today. And honestly, that is not how Jesus lived. He was not a stone thrower. And as we unpack this, I think the Holy Spirit makes it very clear. If you can condemn people, if you condemn people that Jesus doesn't condemn, that God doesn't condemn, then God is going to challenge you. If you condemn people God doesn't condemn, God will challenge you. It is not okay to attack people, to judge people. Jesus didn't do it. We shouldn't do it. So I discover we're not going to proclaim a message of condemnation on a soapbox or a street corner or a campus or a billboard or on social media. We don't think one sin is worse than every other sin because we know that all sin is horrible. It breaks our relationship with God. It breaks our relationship with each other. And so we're going to do our best to welcome people because we know that we ourselves are sinful people. We're not going to throw stones. Proverbs 20 verse 9 reminds us, Who can say, I've kept my heart pure. I am clean and without sin. I can't say that. Can you say that? In Luke chapter 6, verse 42, Jesus says something really interesting. He says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. So the first principle Jesus lays out is this, I don't condemn you. Jesus does not condemn. Now, immediately, immediately, like almost in the same breath, Jesus says, so go now and leave your life to sin. We're going to call this no stagnation. Leave where you are. Move. Don't stay stuck in sin. And true disciples of Jesus are constantly being changed by God. You know, throwing stones, again, is so common, but so is the tendency to accept behavior that's outside of God's design. But that ignores God's requirement for disciples of Jesus to grow. He expects that of us. You know, it's interesting, as it's so common in our world today. People will say, well, you have your set of values and you make choices for your own life. And I'm going to have my own set of values and choices for my life. And everything's going to be just fine. But what we fail to see is that when these choices are mutually exclusive, there's tension there. there there's a problem and they can't be resolved. You see, it's pretty easy to just say, you do whatever you want. I'll do whatever I want. And that's, you know, whatever. But Jesus doesn't do that. He does not ignore sin. He does not ignore sinful behavior that's outside of God's design. I think the other thing that the Holy Spirit's making very clear is that if you condone behavior that God doesn't condone, then God will challenge you. It's not 
okay to justify wrong behavior. Jesus didn't. We shouldn't. If God believes something is important enough to address here in his word, then we believe it's important for us to address it as well. And we do that as we study and apply the Bible and we unpack it. So we strive to say what God says, not more, not less. And we always want to speak the truth in love. And when you're a true follower of Jesus and you walk outside of God's design, then you can expect the Holy Spirit to convict you. And we should be willing and expecting brothers and sisters to challenge us on the way we're living. And we should, most of all, in our hearts, we should want to be changed by God. Jesus does not condemn people, but Jesus also addresses behavior that goes outside of God's plan. I think it's important for us to note how and where Jesus does that, though. He does it in a relational environment. So for certain, God's standard needs to be broadcast, if you will. It needs to be public, God's plan. But when we talk to people about particular things, particular sins, particular issues in life, it's really good to follow the model of what Jesus did. And look what he does here. He does it in a relational environment. After everyone else has gone away, Jesus privately tells this publicly shamed woman, go and sin no more. Jesus has a one-on-one conversation with the Samaritan woman where he talks about her living outside of God's design for marriage. Again, it's in a private one-on-one relational setting. If you remember the story of the man that Jesus healed, couldn't walk, the, the lame man. Jesus later finds him. He seeks him out and he tells him privately, you need to stop sinning. The only people Jesus publicly judged were those who publicly judged other people. Now this idea, this idea, the second part, is not the only place that we see this principle. In fact, we started down the path earlier when we were in Luke chapter 6. It's interesting. Jesus says, you know, you shouldn't judge people. After he says the words, you hypocrite, he goes on, he says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to help take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, we need to own, we need to address the issues in our own lives, and then we help other people with the issues that they're struggling with. And that's done in a relationship of trust. It's done in a relationship that's confident. That's why life groups are so vital. It's why discipleship groups are so vital, because that's where we develop the relationship of trust. If you have a speck in your eye, you want somebody who you trust and who's not going to whack you in the head with their own two-by-four, right? You want somebody who's gentle and compassionate, who knows you, and you know that they're going to have the best in your interest. You're going to have your best interests at heart as they take that out. You've got to have relationship. You've got to have trust. 
And that's what Jesus consistently did. So we discover our goal is no stones and no stagnation. And honestly, there's a lot of tension between those two. Do you feel the tension of if you lean too far this way, if you lean too far this way, you get out of balance. And, and that tension is exactly where Jesus invites us. Jesus invites us to live in that tension because that's God's vision for the world. That tension is where people experience true love. That tension is where people are saved. That tension is where people are changed. Throwing stones and being stagnant are both wrong. They're extremes that are outside of God's plan for people who are true followers of Jesus. And the alternate to the two extremes is this narrow path that Jesus walked. The path where people are valued, but sinful behavior is not. And it's impossible as human beings for us to walk that path on our own. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need brothers and sisters to walk with us. We have to have that balance of compassion and conviction, of grace and truth. And it's a challenging balance. And that tension is actually seen in our vision statement. We're a church that loves people wherever they are, especially in their messiness and brokenness. But we love people too much to let them stay there, especially ourselves. And so we imitate Jesus together. We want to truly be changed by the word, by the spirit, by brothers and sisters walking with us as we follow Jesus' example. Last weekend, Teresa and I saw the movie Unplanned. Um, and if you haven't seen it, it is a very, very good movie. Uh, it's powerful. It's hard to watch. It's a true story. But in that movie, the main character experiences this tension. She gets to see God's truth when she finally recognizes what's going on. And the stuff she's been involved with and how wrong it is. But rather than being condemned by people who are Jesus followers, who understand that this is wrong. They offer her grace and compassion and hope and healing. And that's what God does for us. God offers us love right where we are. But God loves us too much to let us stay there. And he challenges us and helps us to grow to be more like Jesus, to live more godly lives. And I don't believe on this side of heaven that any of us will ever achieve a state of complete perfection. I don't think we will become sinless, but I do think we should continuously sin less and less. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at part of the text included John 3, 16 and 17. And again, there's this tension. This is God's plan, God's vision for the world. And I'd like for us to read that together with conviction and with compassion, grateful for who God is, what he's done for us. Let's read John 3, 16 and 17 aloud together. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John three sixteen and 17. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. So, if Jesus doesn't condemn the world, why do we think it's okay if we do? God did send Jesus into the world to save the world. In other words, Jesus knew the sin. He recognized it. That's why he had to come, so we could be saved from it. And he poured out his entire life so that people could be reconciled, brought back into a relationship with God that was whole. And so if Jesus loves people like that, why do we think we should not? Jesus invites us into this journey of tension together, this unexpected message, because that message is the message that will save the world, that will love the world, that will change the world the way that Jesus has. No stones, no stagnation. It's pretty hard to live like that. (laughs) It's exactly how Jesus lived and how he wants us to live. So today, as we come to the end of this message, If you want to talk about your relationship with God, maybe you've never even surrendered for the first time. He's calling you to that. And you can come up and we'll talk with you. We'll pray with you. We'll help you begin that journey. Maybe you feel you've been a stone thrower and you need to drop that. And say, God, I understand my own sin and and I want you to help me take the plank out of my eye so I can help others with issues that do need to be addressed. But I want to do it as Jesus would. Or maybe you've been someone who's just been too accepting of the world's standards. And you've just become stuck in your own spirituality. And you're okay with those around you that are stuck. And you're saying, no, that needs to change. I need to grow. I need to to move forward. I need to be changed by God. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, speaking to me today, let's have the courage to embrace that and to walk forward as a body, as followers of Jesus, who will change the world because of his message. He is powerful enough to do that one heart at a time. Let's pray. God, um, it's a challenging message for us to live without throwing stones, to show the kind of grace and love that you've shown to us. So help us to do that. And also help us to never be satisfied with sin but to address it first in our own lives and then to help, to help others who are struggling and do that in the same kind of way that Jesus would. God, we thank you for not condemning us, but for saving us, for loving us. 
we, we give you honor and thanks. And through Jesus we pray. Amen.